Panoply, Panorama, Panpipe, Pansy, Aha, Pansexual, Knowing No Boundaries of Sex or Gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. Three CR eight five five AM digital three CR dot org dot AU and on demand. Out of the pan with Sally on a Sunday afternoon, and in the words of two British comedians, it is a packed program. Three uh, CR proudly broadcasting from the lands of the original inhabitants, and <clears throat> we pay respect to elders, past, present, and emerging. Also acknowledging our queer elders, including sister girls and brother boys, for their particular and unique contributions to diversity on and around the lands. And of course, and I forgot to do this last week, welcome to listeners of all genders, including, but not limited, to ladies and gentlemen. Lots of ways you can get in touch with the show. Look for the post for today's show on Facebook and both my page and um, Out of the Pans page. You can email if you're... um, if there are people still doing it, we welcome it. We cater for technologies of all generations, although our telegram machine is down. Um, out of the pan 855 at gmail.com. Um, you can also um, tweet at Sal Gold said so, and that's the bottom line. And you can SMS on 61456751215. Jude Munro will be in the studio shortly, but it is my... Um, um, pleasure to welcome now. Uh, it's, this is the Shane McMahon moment. We didn't announce another guest. Um, that's a WWE joke. You've got to get used to that on this show. Peter Levy, welcome. <laughs> oh, thank you. Hi, Sally. Good to be with you. And, well, our community is diverse and people observe it in all its diverse ways. And you did this because we've got a song that we're going to play in a little while um, that you wrote some years ago. Tell us about Nathan. Yes, well, Nathan came about uh, 18 years ago, would you believe, uh, my son was going to uh, primary school and uh, he befriended a, a young fellow and called Matthew and and I I would have believed that uh, Matthew was a, uh, a little girl, you know, mm. uh, at the primary school. But uh, we later found out that, that Matthew was, in fact, a boy wanting to be a girl um, and having a lot of hassles about it. Mm. Um, his mother uh, came over and had a chat to us and, and also had a chat to the school. But once the, the school kids knew about it, I mean, they gave him a real hard time. Uh, I know my son was very confused about it, the, uh, the whole situation, and, and I wasn't very familiar with, mm. with it at that point as well. But we, we, my philosophy was, uh, look, if he's your friend, he's your friend. You know, uh, regardless of gender, regardless of anything else, mm. and uh, and that's just a wonderful thing. You know, friendship is good, and uh, and we tried to carry on like that. Unfortunately, uh, Nathan's mother decided to take him out of school and uh, moved him into state, and so we really lost track of him. Mm. But I sort of marked the occasion. I I thought, well. I'll try to put myself in my son's shoes and uh, 
and make um, Nathan, I changed the name to Nathan and make him a bit older and uh, and just say, what about if he was a friend of mine? You know, mm-hmm. how would I cope? And thinking about it now, uh, the song has changed a lot for me in in its relevance because. Um, when I wrote it, I wrote it on one particular level, and now looking at it and hearing it again, I uh, I say to myself, this is a totally different structure and meaning. Even though I haven't re-recorded, I haven't done anything, and uh, it, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah, lots in there. I wanted to clarify one thing. Your son, you said, was confused at the time. Is that because yes. he couldn't understand how people were being negative towards Nathan? That's right, and yeah. and he also couldn't understand uh, uh, why Nathan would want to um, be trying to pass him, you know, self off as one gender as against another, and was confusing about it. Um, why can't you just be yourself? Well, Nathan was. Well, <laughs> I think that Matthew was trying to be him himself or herself, and. Uh, and just had no way of expressing it in those times and uh, and not many sympathetic ears to understand it. Yeah. And uh, and so it was a very interesting uh, experience for my son and very interesting for me as well. It was growth as well. Yep. Oh, look, now that's a fair point. And I, you know, often this idea of childhood innocence gets waylaid. Innocence is just that children have not had stuff put into their head by people and just see things in a very fair and that sort of innocent way. I sometimes wonder if there's a better word. We could split hairs on that. But, you know, your son was exactly right. Person's a person, they're my friend, and you were saying the same thing, yet the world outside wasn't. And I think it leads to something else. 18 years ago, I was just try- if that was around the turn of the, the century, the millennium, you know, attitudes in Australia not really that advanced on trans um, at that point and... Not a lot of jurisdictions had, say, anti-discrimination protection. So for Nathan, that would have been very difficult at any school. Um, and well, Matthew. <laughs> sorry, for, for, the, for the trans person in yes, question. Yes, that's right. Yeah, mm. um, at that point. And so, yeah, there wouldn't have been a lot of hope. It wasn't, I mean, Victoria didn't get anti-discrimination protection until the end of the year 2000. So if it was around that time, but even if the protection had only just come in, it still probably wouldn't have made a difference to yeah, attitudes. It was, yeah, it was before that. And so, uh, uh, but it was what it was. Uh, I guess... Mm. I guess Australia has evolved and is evolving, and isn't it wonderful what happened uh, this week? And uh, yeah, you know, well, that, well, that's right. I pulled out um, John Schumann and the Vagabonds Crew version of the Midnight Oil track, My Country. That was um, yep. what I scratched through in my CD, CD collection, spot the oldie um, <laughs> um, this morning. And yeah, I think that country right or wrong, well, sometimes it gets it wrong, but. Yeah, I think this week was huge in the end after a lot of pain for gain, I suppose. Yeah, that's um, right. um, If I get time, I'll have a chat about on the program today or in a future edition because um, there's a lot of emotions of all sorts, lots of happy ones, but there's some mixed feelings around LGBTI communities about what happened too. Um, You know, um, lots to talk about there. But I think there is now a little bit of hope for trans people. Yes, the far right will throw things at us. So... Someone like um, that young trans person comes out today and, well, we were chatting um, prior to the show about the fabulous Nevo Zazen mm, and there's right. someone at 21 who's had to work through gender identity, gender expression, sexual orientation, faith, family and it's, um, well, similar theme, you know, 
um, I think that that must be a change, I suppose, from your inner perspective of the song over 18 years, having seen it's developed. Has that been a part of the journey Absolutely. of you and the song? Yeah, that, that certainly is. Uh, uh, certainly, I musically, I've certainly moved on from where I was at that point in my life, but I, I can. I can listen to that song again and uh, and hear something different in it and and having spoken to Nevo last week uh, it was terrific you know yeah. uh, it was just uh, inspirational and having exposure now and having the opportunity to have conversation and this is what it's all about really isn't it it's education isn't it communication education unequivocally you yeah. know all much the same thing and you know, having a good process to do it, and I always say with tongue wedge, Berlin check, no, not Q&A most <laughs> occasions. Um, but, you know, if you can get mm. people to have a safe space where they can listen carefully and it's respectful, and even if there are even relatively divergent views, it can be done. And Nevo is an absolute leader, fantastic. They talk about communication skills. I mean, just yes. the written skills and verbal are fantastic. And... So it is great that younger people like Nevo, and we've got to give a, a shout-out to a young trans woman, Georgie Stone, who was Young Australian of the mm. Year at the Human Rights Awards. Um, you know, at, at risk of doing a cheesy version of I Believe the Children Are Our Future, but <laughs> seriously, this is what is giving a lot of middle and older trans people hope. But I think it's you know worthy of mention that you wrote a song about this 18 years ago when trans was barely on anyone's radar in this country. And yeah. was still seen in derogatory terms. That deserves a huge amount of commendation. Um, there was not a lot of that happening, if much at all. So, um, I think that's that's well worth a mention. Well, I, I must admit, I, I was writing a lot of songs, and uh, I, if I came across a situation, well, that was fodder for a song. And uh, and this, I, I put it into loosely into the category of just uh, another piece of fodder that I could mold into um, into a song and and have a memory of it you know have a this was my diary you know mm. songwriting is a is like a diary and uh, and I I use it as such it, there may only be one or two lines in a song and the vehicle is uh, yep. the rest of it but I know what those two lines are and uh, for me uh, it brings me right back and I say yeah that's what happened and and this is where I was at that moment and uh, and young uh, Matthew well you know I, I wish him well I I did then and uh, and I just hope that uh, all things are good for him yeah, hope that things sorted themselves out and life is happy. Yeah. Um, you know, for that that person is, I will say, whichever gender they're living now. That's of course, right. We don't that's know, right. um, yeah. and that's part of the mystery. But I think that you know, great songwriters, and of course, there's been lots of them. And two of my personal faves, Paul Kelly, in the Australian yeah. context, Me too. and a, a guy called Tom T. Hall, who is an, is an American country singer, mm -hmm. named the storyteller. Well, you've hit the nail on the head. You observe things and write about them which is really good. And I think the thing is, you said you've been songwriting for a long time, at least 18 years, so you've made some degree of, in, of enjoyment and success out of music and songwriting? Oh, definitely. I've, I've written uh, 17 soundtracks, uh, wow. ton, you know, 800 songs. <laughs> it's ridiculous, but and not all good. <laughs> well, no. Um, a lot of jingle commercials. Uh, I'm now writing uh, film scripts, and uh, we have a film coming up next year. It's called A Way to Live, um, black comedy. Could be interesting, well, <laughs> giving it a plug. <laughs> well, look, um, artists evolve, but, I, and I, but also you've got to be able to stay the course. And I wanted yes. to ask you about that. You know, creative worlds are sometimes not as um, 
well, I'll say they can appear to be not as abundant as we would like, and there's you know it can be hard to break into them. If you if there are people who are you know getting their artistic careers of any sort, whether it's songwriting or painting or anything underway, mm-hmm. if you had any thoughts for those people, and whether they're at any age, it doesn't necessarily mean younger, but you know someone could have decided at forty now is my time to do sculpting or whatever. What would be your thoughts for them? Just yeah, sure. Um, well, I can only speak of my experience Go for and. It. Uh, and that is that uh, not to fight it, you know, to uh, I think that everybody gets the same sort of vibe uh, in the world. It's just some lucky people can transmit it into one form or another. In, in my case, it was in music uh, or in scripts and in others, uh, it's poetry or in art and things like that. And I respect all of that. And I think it's a very healthy thing for people even they don't have to be in the highlight of you know out in the spotlight of uh, uh, and on stage and whatever it's not important Mm. it's what you do yourself and how you you see it at that particular moment because then years later when you look back at it you'll say gee did did i really say that did i do that and some of the things i'm not proud of you know and i think gee i've moved on from that you know Mm. i'm now this and uh, and i think that's important and, and that's what I learned from uh, Nevo as well. Um, waking up in the morning, am I going to be female? Am I going to be male? Am I going to be just neutral? You know, I've got that choice. And I think, gee, how brave, how how wonderful is that? You yeah. know, it's not something that uh, I ever, and you know, contemplated at all, you know. And so good on you, Nevo. Yep, here, here to Nevo, Georgie, many other young trans and gender diverse people and mm. families. So we'll take it out, Peter. We'll um, play yep. the track, Nathan. And thank you for coming in. Oh, it's um, my pleasure. appreciated. And, yep. yeah, and, oh, if people want to find out about your work, is there you have a website for me? Hey, to find out about uh, Nathan, you can go to uh, Song Trader and just put in my name, Peter Levy, P-E-T-E-R-L-E-V-Y. Just go for Nathan. There's a few other songs on there as well. And uh, certainly... Uh, uh, I'm sure the station can, if you need to make contact with me, um, yep, give an email or whatever. Yeah, yep. that's right. Peter, thanks for your time on this Sunday on Out of the Pan. And let's um, have a listen to the track, Nathan. Thank 3CR, you, 855 AM, uh, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au and On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally. Are you aged over 65? The University of Melbourne is conducting interviews exploring how radio can impact well-being. Researchers will interview you for 60 minutes and in return you'll be given a $25 gift card. For more information, please visit cbf.com.au forward slash wellbeing. This research is proudly funded by the Community Broadcasting Foundation. A 3CR supporter. 3CR, 855am, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au and On Demand, although we've had a couple of glitches, I think, technically with On Demand. So, um, you know, always remember that this show is podcast um, pretty quickly on Sunday afternoon and repeated at 5am Australian Eastern Daylight Time Wednesday. So you get all the pansexual music, um, including that beautiful track by Peter Levy. Nathan, 18 years ago, that's, I reckon, pretty... um, pretty huge that someone was thinking that far ahead well um, that was 18 years ago and in the last um, couple of years and a development in victoria has been the uh, well at first the concept and now it's fleshing out of a pride center and i'm joined in the 3cr studios by the chair of the board of the victorian pride center jude munro jude welcome to 3cr 
Thank you very much, Sally. I'm delighted to be here this morning. Is this is this your first time ever on 3CR? Because we've been around a long time and you've been doing some you know stuff in communities for a long time, but is it? Uh... No, I think it's probably my about my third time. But third uh, time. The memories back 45 years ago are a bit dim. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they can do. Um, too much coffee. Not enough coffee. Anyway, but... Um, you know, the Pride Centre, which was announced first in October 2015, and you became chair of the board a year ago, um, and is emerging. And, well, there were some some situations that arose at a consultation on 1st of July that, you know, we do just need to settle down and work through, as well as the various questions we've had. And um, so let's sort of go back and work through. You became, you got, you know, um, you know, you started on the board about, well, it's a year and a couple of months ago. And at that point, there'd been consultations run by a, a um, you know, accounting consulting firm. And I understand there was a report that came out of that. Was And so you got that report. When you read that, what were your first impressions? So my understanding, Sally, was that um, there was some pre-feasibility work done back, I think even, it might have been as far back as February 2016. That was it, yeah. And I think um, that was done for the Department of Premier and Cabinet and uh, Rowena Allen as the um, Commissioner for Gender and Equality commissioned that. And um, then there was the announcement. I think the feasibility led then to the government making an announcement in May that they'd put $15 million yep. into a Pride Centre. We know now that the costs are more like 50 when you add everything up, up of course. Um, and then a board was appointed. Uh, Roe Allen went around and um, tapped a few people on the shoulder. And uh, then there was... Um, some work done around uh, consulting with specific individual organisations and I think a survey or something like that was sent out and there was also some focus groups of some sort or another. That um, came together as a report and the sorts of things that were being discussed there was about the need for the centre to be a safe centre, a welcoming centre for it to be where uh, some of the major resident organisations would be, the major organisations such as the Victorian AIDS Council, Joy Radio Station and so forth, um, uh, gay archives, and also that there would be up to 40 other organisations that would use it on more of a casual basis. But I think really from there we've decided to go into far deeper uh, consultations to really come to f- come to a deeper understanding would be my sense yeah. of what it is that the full rainbow community are expecting from a centre. Yeah, there's something that comes out of that. So going back to that consulting work, did you see any of the the board see any of the output from that? Because I think that might help explain some 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 issues. Um, we saw some of the output, but we probably didn't see yeah. all of it. I, I reckon we might have got a summary version yep. of that. Okay. I don't know, Sally, if that would be your sense. I don't know if you got to see personally the uh, – the, and my recollection is that it was a summary. It wasn't a word-for-word uh, um, transcript of what uh, people were saying. Yeah, and I think that's helped explain something that um, you know perhaps 
you know, and these are learning that there needs to be clearer communication for because a lot of things were said in those consultations and this will actually tie in with one of our questions that at the consultation I was at in Jan Feb 16, um, a representative of one of the key sex worker organisations was there who said, look, we didn't want to go to university campuses because, and I will give a trigger warning for our listeners for anti-sex worker prejudice, people who are discovered to be past or present sex workers have been thrown out of uni courses like such as medicine, law and nursing just out of moral judgment by heads of department. And so when it was heard that perhaps, you know, there was an approach made to unis, even if it wasn't the end result, I think people were a bit taken aback. Yeah. Well, I've, um, I think, Sally, you and maybe some listeners know that I used to be the CEO at St Kilda Council and yeah. have had a fair bit to do with sex workers over the years. Um, and we know that uh, 60% of sex workers yeah. are queer. Yeah. And I, I just would like to reiterate and take the opportunity here to say we will welcome um uh, sex workers to come to the centre where they can relax and enjoy the centre and we will endeavour to make the centre a welcoming place uh, for one and all. Yeah, so the exact question, just so it's acknowledged from Gillian because it was on face, my Facebook page, was will the Pride Centre be sex positive and acknowledge LGBTIQ sex workers? So half of that question you've just answered, great serendipity. I think the answer is yes. Yeah, so, you know, we need yep. to, I think that something that's come out of the marriage campaign is that the right, far right will, you know, it's hard not to link issues this week, um, you know, will play on fears about sex. And so having a more sex positive approach that, you know, I don't know how we're going to do it exactly, but we've got to start getting past that because it affects pretty much all of the rainbow, even in a way if it doesn't affect us. Trans is, of course, nothing to do with intimacy, but, you know, we're told it's about sex and bodies and, oh, that's scary. So, we, you know, where our community can be more sex positive sounds like a fair thing. Yeah, do you mean, what do you mean exactly by sex positive? Oh, fair enough, yes. So what we mean by sex positive and sex negative, sex negativity is where any talk about sex is cast in shame or fear or guilt. And, you know, an example might be we talk about our bits downstairs because we can't say genitals, you know. (laughs) Sex positivity is where we talk calmly, age appropriately, obviously, but um, maturely about sex and say, look, sex is about consent and respect and that it's a positive part of a healthy life and it can do positive things like shift stale energies out of your body and that sort of thing. And we look at it as part of a holistic, healthy human existence rather than shame it, which, of course, we've seen so many problems with over time. I mean, one wonders about, or not one wonders, I think it's a pretty fair comment to say some of the attitudes that we've seen in relation to women and scandals like Harvey Weinstein are because... You know, we tend to put women down, say, in, in sex, and but we also put down other genders and other bodies and the whole thing. So that's what we're talking about, that we start having mature, sensible conversations about intimacy. So that's what the phrase is, sex positive, in this context. Thank you for explaining that. Um, years ago, I was involved with um, uh, human resource and sexuality education um, many, many years ago and was one of the people that... Uh, was behind Young, Gay and Proud back in the mid-70s. And really, you know, in lots of ways, like some of my friends I've talked to say that things have changed a bit, but I actually don't think there's enough 
um, human resource sex and sexuality education in mm. schools. I, I just think, Sally, we're not there yet, are we? Oh, totally. Look, it's an interesting since um, there's the history of about one minute to six Thursday night. Now there's all this, well, what next? And one article, and I'm, I can't remember, I think it was The Guardian, but apologies if I've got my source wrong, talked about this, about um, queer sexuality in schools. And for that matter, any, I mean, this program, you know, um, you know, has, you know, acknowledges great work by people like, say, Cindy Darnell, a sex educator, and many others. And it's hard enough to get into schools to talk about heterosexual stuff, let alone queer stuff and different bodies and all that sort of thing. So you know, I think it just would have huge benefits. So if the Pride Centre can be, you know, um, it will be part of that and spreading that message, that's got to be, you know, got to be good. Well, I think the Pride Centre will be a welcoming place. Yeah. And one of the things I was keen to have a chat with you about is um, we will be starting the work on thinking about programming at the Pride Centre. And I think it should be a place... Um, for discourse as yeah. well. Do you know what I mean by, by well, yeah. that? And yeah, I'm, totally. You know, I'm yeah. thinking, you know, Hairs and Hyenas, which has, of course, long been a part of Melbourne's rainbow and world, has, diff- you know, has lots of people come along there. And they, we may not all agree, but it's how we set up, I suppose, a safe space to talk about it, which, um, you know, um, you know sort of seems to be a theme. There's lots of discussions to be had. It's setting up good process. So that's going to need to be sort of, put into the fabric it may sound like a strange thing even though when we haven't even got a building but i think it's got to become part of it you know very quickly i agree and i think if we put ourselves in the situation of young people um and i think of various roles that various organizations have played for young people um but school is such a an important part of very young people's uh, situation so um to be able to have uh Good, healthy discussions and information there is is really crucial. So um, I'm sure there's another question there for me, Sally. Yeah. Um, so young people, but also older people. But I suppose when, you know, linking into the question we had, you know, LGBTIQ sex workers, one of the, you know, we've just got to tackle, you know, let's tackle elephants in the room and stop them trumpeting was the situation back on 1st of July where questions came in from people who are known to be, you know, in in the opinion of trans people, anti-transgender, and in the opinion of people working in the sex industry, anti-sex work. And that was, you know, there's a number of angles that come off that. So, you know, how then do you create a, a safe space for discussion? But also if there is, you know, let's just say, and I'm using straw cases, Vixen Collective, which represents sex workers and Matrix Guild who put in some of those questions, how do they share a safe space? But also how do we acknowledge that some of the questions asked that day were quite um, negative for trans people? You know, I think it's yes. got to get talked about. Yeah, and I think we we didn't want to, as a board, um, uh, f- filter questions in the same way as, say, you, I, I don't know um, what role any of us play in filtering questions. But I think um, on reflection, it would have been really good to have had more opportunity to discuss some of the things in greater depth than perhaps just our question and answer um, session there. And I think the more we can create opportunities for good, open discussion, um, the better that will be. 
just on the Pride Centre, Sally, I, I need to reinforce the point of us, um, we will not be providing um, discriminatory or illegal spaces. Yeah. So we will be providing safe and welcoming spaces as much as we're able to design that. And I'm really looking forward to some of the in-depth consultations we'll have, for instance, with the transgender, bisexual and intersex communities about that. Yeah, I want to talk about that before um, um, we've got 23 minutes remaining. I think a lot of my music has been just um, that I programmed has just gone out the wall, but we'll save that for another time. Um, But I think the thing that happened on that day is I suppose when those questions came up and I looked around the room and saw a lot of pain and fear and hurt on the faces of trans people and families perhaps you know a trigger warning or something could have been done and I think that's where we could learn a little more about that yeah no I think you're right I think perhaps um, uh, we were endeavoring to uh, share answers around um, board members to get all of our board exposed to everybody and I think I acknowledge myself that I am constantly learning um, and um, I think one of the things that really um, came through on that day was just the reinforcement of the need for welcoming and safe spaces and the opportunity to talk things through in depth. Um, uh, But just on the uh, perhaps the matrix question, to be specific about that – we know as a board that it would be discriminatory and illegal to be providing a space uh, for women um, that was only for women who had been assigned um, the female sex at birth. Yep. So just to be absolutely clear about that, um, uh, we, we see that as discriminatory we believe it would be illegal and um, our goal is to provide safe spaces. Fair enough. So there's um, that has now been sort of worked through and acknowledged and I think that needed to be spoken about because lots of people were aware of what happened and I think putting it out there that, you know, a mistake happened, sure, but it was learnt from I think is now the thing and that's important. So the other question which I do want to ask, and I know we wanted to discuss this anyway, um, Jules has put on my Facebook page um, that um, Jules is interested in how, quote, how needs of disabled people are being incorporated both into design and events, end quote. So I think that's, of course, of great importance. So, yeah, um, what's the thinking at this point? Well, I'd like to put on record my thanks to Simona Kastrikum. Here, here. <laughs> um, Simona and I worked together for a couple of hours to go through the final draft of the design brief that went out as part of the architectural competition. And uh, Simona and I worked on what would be really good wor- wording to absolutely make sure that we wouldn't be leaving in the centre through design, anyone behind. Mm-hmm. So um, we got the wording, I think, right so that that would influence the architects in the design competition. And we're organising as part of the work when the architectural firm is selected for them to be meeting with some groups in depth. Cool. So, um, And I'll really be, pay tribute to Brenda, Simona 
um, and Mellum yep. for the work that we we work through that we needed to have some really in-depth discussions with the transgender, bisexual and intersex communities and also uh, in discussions with the uh, communities that uh, face living with disabilities. So this will be two elements to it, Sally. One will be the design of the centre. And there are some things that we know, for instance, uh, you need to put in place for people who have disabilities, not just physical disabilities, but um, other uh, disabilities. And um, uh, I must say... um, that my eyes have been opened up to some of those, uh, some of the issues that people face. Yeah. But we all need to get that in-depth understanding. So there will be um, at least two consultations. Uh, one I'm pleased to announce will be on the 10th of fem- February with uh, transgender, bisexual and intersex um, yep. organisations. Um we're not quite sure of the venue as yet, depending on the number of people that want to come. It's likely to be either Drummond Street or the Wheeler Centre. So we've just got to work that through, but that mm-hmm. will be the 10th of February. Um, and uh, with there'll be also one or more with people with disabilities. And I'm very hopeful hopeful that Rhonda Galbally will facilitate that. She has said that she would like to do that. Yeah. But um, sometimes... Um, just bear with me here, Sally, but sometimes group situations are not actually the best form of consultation. Ooh, yeah. So we might do some on an individual basis with some people. Oh, look, that is all welcome. And I want to pay tribute to that because, you know, Simona's architectural skills and awareness of issues of multicultural Indigenous people of colour is huge. Melum, who was on this show in September and provided quote of the year about labels about um, give us lots of boxes because you can't force a cat into a box but give us give us lots of choice and we'll work with it. And Mel's knowledge on neurodiversity and on the first meeting of the Spectrum group happened interestingly on November 15, um, you know, would have contributed to that and of course Brenda's um, contacts as well amongst many others. So that's, that's very, very welcome and, um, you know, I'm glad appreciate the awareness of the various types of disability that's been um you know very very important to make sure that that is acknowledged and i suppose the other thing i um transgender victoria had that tdor event at the north fitzroy library and i was really impressed with its um integration of indigenous culture into the design and names of the building so that's now going to get in there as well that's right so right at the start of the project design brief we acknowledge the um, uh, the role of uh, the elders, past and present, of the Yalan uh, Kulin Nation, um, and um, also just to work through how we um, integrate in programming as well. So this is thinking about not just a recognition statement. We see plenty of buildings where there's no recognition at all in the building mm. of the role of um, uh, local communities or the broader Kulin nation. But um, we're trying to think through how we get um, a really welcoming environment for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who also identify as part of the rainbow community. Yeah. Um, it's sometimes these intersections are 
some of the most um, basic but also some of the most challenging yeah. for, for those of us who aren't uh, members of the commu- those communities. Oh, look, totally. Last week's show on International Day of People with a Disability brought home that there's a whole range of disability, and I'm glad you've touched on that because, you know, some people on the autism spectrum and HSPs like me don't like a lot of bright lighting, so we'll need to consider that. Um, but also, I'm, I don't claim to be an expert in this next area, but I understand a lot of people with um, physical mobility situations believe that the standards for a lot of buildings are pretty, to use a poor Keating word, minimalist. So if we're sort of incorporating best design, it could um, just have a lot of influence. Would that be a fair call? I think it would be. And we know, for instance, the one in 14 gradient is, is exactly what you're saying, is it's it's a minimalist position in lots of ways. So we have included that in our design, that um, in the design brief, I should say, and we'll be working through that with um, potential users and the architects. Good, good. Um, so the, the other thing that came out of that is thank you for recognising not everyone loves group situations and there are introverts who, as one facilitator I once had said, introverts like to think, 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 then they talk, and extroverts talk, 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 then they think. So, you know, sometimes group situations can hold space for that, but sometimes introverts have a light bulb 24 hours later and might need to have a chat. So that's really good. So it seems that a lot of the concerns that were raised have been addressed. And, you know, the the, board, the thing that strikes me, how aware now is the board to be constantly open to learning? Because Victoria... I don't, we're not perfect on diversity, but I feel like we try hard and we are ahead of the pack on not just Australia, but a lot of places around the world. How will the board integrate all this learning? Because, you know, and then I want to get on to how they'll get feedback, but, you know, is the, you know will the board be looking at um, sort of making sure that they're constantly open to, you know, new viewpoints on things? I've had the experience in, in organisational life, Sally, of the benefit of education and information sessions. And for us as a board, I think we're all we're all still learning. Yeah. And so I've really benefited from some of my more in-depth conversation. I really love catching up with you for coffee the other day and thank you coffee. so much for that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was um those sorts of conversations have been really important in my learning and they will be important for the board's learning. And I think sometimes there will be, not just in consultation sessions, but maybe um, specific articles can be circulated to us, exposure to what the latest information is on research. I've found I, I, my eyes were absolutely opened. Um, they won't have been for your listeners, but they were absolutely opened when I found that research into homeless young people. Oh yeah, and the proportion of uh, transgender young people there, and the situation that they found. Uh, Joe Ball uh, from Switchboard. They have been so good at raising all of our understandings. Um, about uh, mental health issues that confront um, many transgender young people. And I think we as a board are constantly learning and integrating that into our practice as well. Fair enough. So to the future then. Now, we mentioned there's two things. One that we want to talk about is that applications have closed for the Community Consultative Committee, which will then be able to feed the 
or sort of the you know range of opinions through to the board, and you've got I think it's thirty people. Did I hear? Well, um, we had seventy-two applicants. They were all high-caliber people, and um, on Tuesday the announcement will be made of the thirty. Aha! So um, I can say though that um, Jane Crawley and uh, Megan Smith will be the co-chairs of that. Megan is on our board. Um, and Jane Crawley has had a long history of, in the arts field of community arts. It's very highly thought of um, and um, uh, knows the Rainbow community yeah. very well. Um, we've got, in terms of the rural Melbourne split, uh, five uh, rural and 25 people from Melbourne and across the age groups, Unfortunately, only one in the 14 to 24-year-old um, age group and four in the 60 and then the bulk of the rest in that uh, those middling. other middling groups. Um, three who are culturally and linguistically diverse and disability eight, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander two. Uh, I was determined if we had more than one person identifying as ADSI that we would have uh, two or more people on. Um, and then across the rainbow community, we have uh, one intersex person, so we're thrilled. Uh, four bisexual people. Wow. Ten, uh, sorry, seven transgender, with some crossing between bisexual and transgender. Of course, intersections. Intersections, and uh, nine lesbians and ten gay men. It's a bit like. The uh, 12 Days of Christmas, Sally. <laughs> <laughs> or, or as I like to call intersectionality, Spaghetti Junction, yeah, named yeah, after yeah, the yeah. In- yeah. intersection in Springvale, yeah. Yeah, so that group, the community reference group, as you were saying, will be um, thinking about design, having input to design, the vision for the centre. We've got a broad vision statement, but we need to really flesh that out. Programming and future events. So we're thinking, even though th- it's three years away, we are thinking about programming now because a few of us have been to Pride Centres in other uh, countries. Um, some of them are really lively and welcoming spaces and some aren't so much mm. that way. So we, we're trying to think ahead and think about what might, there might be problems or think about how we could make it the best it can possibly be. Yeah, Allowing for the fact that without being sort of rah-rah about it, Melbourne does seem to be further down the track on diversity and needs to consider lots of things. Um, you know, sort of, um, so we do have to account for, the, for some, you know, we can pick up ideas, but, um, you know, go with it from there. Um, now, the other thing you mentioned, which is most welcome, is there's going to be various um, consultations with allowing for intersectionality parts of the proverbial rainbow. And yep. we haven't got dates as yet, but no doubt um, um, they'll be forthcoming. Um, and so just run through at this stage which parts of the community are planned, um, you know, at this stage. And I know there's one part of the community who I've madly got to hit the email and network you with, um, who are, and both seems, but all parties are keen, which is good. Um, but so at this stage, um, you know, the um, sort of we do have a list of consultations planned, even if we haven't got dates and places. Can I really want to run through that? Yes, certainly. So apart from the work that the community reference group will do, so they will also do some specific consultations. There is one planned for the um, transgender, bisexual, and intersex communities. 
That is planned for the 10th of February. Ah, we heard it first on this show. That's exactly right. So it's being announced here um, on this show. Um, And uh, there will be one for people with disabilities or several. We've just got to work that through. And also one with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders um, so that we've got some in-depth perspectives that will come through. Yeah, allowing, of course, for intersectionality. One question of clarification uh, obviously, well, as we saw, where are we, nine, ten days ago, families of trans people, a big part of it, um, are family members, particularly for younger trans and gender diverse people, but it could well be for parents of intersex, I suppose. Um, you know, where do, do, how do they, do they fit into each of the consultations as well? Uh, I'll take advice on that. Yeah. Um, and in some cases, we might have some specific particular discussions. It's come up. The need for how you get really safe spaces for young people's come up yeah. on a range of occasions. Um, big centres can be a bit frightening um, or they can be welcoming in terms of the design. That's uh, a good point. You know, yeah. So I think we need to think through how that will be best achieved. Um, uh, it was interesting I was having a discussion with... Um, Scott Heron is the chair of Melbourne Queer Film Festival. Yeah. And he was saying that there's a lot of volunteers who come along, young volunteers to support that, but really what they're doing is coming along to meet other LGBTQI people in a safe environment. And so that's not the bar environment or, you know. So we just need to think through how the centre will work so it will be safe for all. Well, yeah, there will need to be some thinking through, and if I can put my tongue firmly in check, we don't want to have um, the, you know, sort of the um, adolescent trans and gender diverse kids meeting and suddenly they walk into the wrong room and it's um, the BDSM demonstration. That could be could be a little problematic, but I'm sure with some good signage and things on doors or notice boards would work it out um, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, we are a diverse community, but, and that's not so much a problem, it's just communication, but um, we can hold space for everyone. Well, yeah, and I love that. One of my friends, Susan, was in the Canberra ga- Gallery on Thursday night. She was one of the ones that sang that that fantastic part of that song. Yeah, um, we are one, we are many, which we are, and increasingly so in Victoria. Um, and I suppose just on that note, sorry, Melina, I did get your uh, Melina's one of our regular. Um, Right, sort of woven correspondence on in this show, who did email in and say that, um, hello Sally, the winners this week with the Australian people, the polit- polity is more progressive than the political, cl- political class, including Liberal voters. Thank you for, to me for my advocacy. The conversation has just started. Well, I think we've just tied in um, that um, what happened on Thursday with um, what happened um, here quite neatly. So um, there it is, and unfortunately, we're just about at the end of the program. So, are there any? I, there was so much to talk about, and I'm sure I've forgotten something. So, if I did, dare I say, in the language of this year, of this week, speak now for hold your peace. <laughs> I think, Sally, um, I would just like to again um, uh, thank you for the opportunity of being on today, and maybe there'll be other opportunities in the future where. Um, if there's uh, particular things that we're wanting to explore that we could um, have that discussion, I think that would be a wonderful thing to do. Yeah, well, look, um, I no doubt we will as we keep drilling further um, as we go along. I'm sure things will come up and there'll be a chance for people to have a say. So 
um, we'll keep keep that um, open for sure. And I have to say that we had a great conversation, although I didn't get a chance to play Michelle Parsons' Hell Freezes Over and anything from the Eagles when Hell Freezes Over. But hell did freeze over. And anyway, proving that we can laugh at ourselves in our communities, we're not the right wing. Um, so thank you for coming on and for being honest and straightforward with the answers, acknowledging that things you know did go off track, but now they are getting much back onto the you know, the proverbial express freeway in an um, environmentally correct way too. So appreciate that. And it's been a big week. Didn't have a lot of time to discuss some of those things that were happening. Thanks also to Peter for being on the show. But most of all, thanks to you for coming in on to 3CR. Thanks also to Gillian and Jules for their questions and, and others who wanted to remain more anonymous um, for theirs. And, yeah, we'll stay in touch. And, yeah, um, we've only got th- I've only got three, three shows left, two shows left for the year. So um, if we get more consultation dates, um, naturally we'll list them. But um, we're not planning on, apart from February 10th for trans, bi, intersex, we're not planning on any um, earlier than that just quickly. No, I've right. had advice that um, uh, people will be often away on holidays and that sort of thing. Yes, and, or uh, midsummering and things. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But um, I can make sure that any dates for any consultations, um, I, I'll let you know, Sally, so you can let your listeners know. For sure, we'll do that. All right, better ro- get out of here and make way for freedom of species, um, covering all things animale as they do. I think on that note we can take it out and particularly on what happened at 1 minute to 6pm on Thursday. Um, I think we can take it out with them people and moving on up. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan. Thanks to our guests Peter and Jude Munro. I'm Sally Goldner. Catch you next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.